Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. And so today we're excited uh, just to be able to give you part two of this uh, sermon series uh, that we started on last week. We started a serious sermon series last week with the sermon entitled God and God Alone. And one of the things that we learned from the story of Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar is that sometimes God has to expose the imposters in your life. Sometimes God has to bring about circumstances that he and he alone are able to address. And then we learned last week is that God has given us access to him. The wise men knew that there was a God who was able to deal with the situation, but they were not sure that they as humans were able to access him. But we're grateful that as God's children, that we're no longer in the outer court, but God has given us access to the Holy of Holies. And then one of the things that we saw is that when Daniel and his friends needed to get the answer, they went to God in prayer. And we learned that when things are up in the air, we need to go down on our knees, down on our knees. And so today we're going to just pick it up back at Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to begin together here at verse number 16. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 16, and I was hoping to be able to put a button on this sermon series today, but I honestly got stuck um, here again this week, and so we're going to push it in, push it again together next week. Daniel chapter 2, and we'll begin at verse 16. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 16, the Bible says, So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they may seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret. So that Daniel made his companions, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And this is where I'm going to rest on verse 21. And he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. But again, I just want to read for emphasis the beginning of verse 21 that says, And he changes the times and the seasons. Today, saints, I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, Why Seasons Change why seasons change. Let's look to the Lord together in prayer. Father, once again, I ask for permission to join my human weakness, my lack, and my frailty to your divine strength. Lord, my prayer is that in the hearing of the word that somebody would gain clarity, that somebody would gain understanding, that somebody would be able to sense, discern, and detect where it is that you are moving in their lives. So, Lord, once again, I pray that in the hearing of the word, that faith will be multiplied exponentially. 
So lastly, I ask, Lord, that you would hide me in the shadows of the cross, that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone might be heard. And at the end of this message, may Jesus alone be praised. We ask this in the mighty name of him who is altogether lovely. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray all things. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. Again, just talking to you on the subject, why seasons change. Now again, we left off last week with King Nebuchadnezzar having a dream that he could not recall. And so as a result, he called all the wise men and the astrologers, and he gave them the decree that they should make known to him the dream and the interpretation thereof. And when they could not do it, he turned to Daniel and his three friends so that they could give him the dream and the meaning. And as a result, Daniel and his friends, they began to call on the name of the Lord in prayer. And after an intense time of prayer, God made known to them the dream and the meaning. And here we find Daniel in a state of elation as he moves into a session of doxology and praise. Under inspiration, he says some things about God that are important for our consideration today. In verse 21, he says, God controls the times and God is in control of the seasons. He says, God sets up kings and God is the one that takes them down. Now understand that this has implications for Nebuchadnezzar and for us in our time. So God gives Nebuchadnezzar a dream of a human statue constructed of many different metals. It has a head of gold. It has chest and arms of silver. It has belly and thighs of brass. It has legs of iron and the feet are constructed of iron and clay. And he informs Nebuchadnezzar that these different metals represent the major kingdoms throughout history uh, all the way down to the end. And it makes it clear that you, O Nebuchadnezzar, and Babylon represent the head of gold. But that gold would be succeeded by by inferior metals or kingdoms until Jesus established an everlasting kingdom. Now remember that God through Jeremiah foretold how God would use the king of the Chaldeans or Babylonians as a chastening tool against Israel's sins. So Nebuchadnezzar had a specific purpose for a specific season. So God would use the brutality of the Babylonians to drive the Israelites back to God. And he would use the presence of the Israelites in Babylon to introduce the Babylonians to God. And so God designed a merger that was supposed to push Israel to repentance. And it was supposed to push Babylon to conversion. And he is letting Nebuchadnezzar know that though your kingdom is going to be unmatched, it is going to be temporary. He says, once you fulfilled your purpose, I'm going to use others to fulfill my purpose. And in the vision, he is teaching Nebuchadnezzar our first point today, that nothing can outlive its season. Let me say it again. He wants us to understand that nothing can outlive its season. 
In other words, Daniel here highlights the sovereignty of God. And he wants us to know that you can't extend a season that God has already ended. Now notice that Nebuchadnezzar, he receives the word initially, but eventually his arrogance is revived. So in chapter 3, you notice that when he constructs the image, it is not made of different metals. He overlays the whole thing of gold from head to toe as a sign that his season and his kingdom ain't going to never come to an end. And understand that Daniel chapter 2 is to be a script and a point of reference from leaders all the way back to Nebuchadnezzar, all the way down to Donald Trump. He is teaching all leaders that you can try to extend the season, but not when God has ended it. You can refuse to acknowledge that it's over. You can refuse to accept that it's over. You can refuse to concede. You can refuse to acknowledge the votes. You can refuse to accept and congratulate the new king. You can try to keep the matter tied up in courts. But the fact is that the medals are changing, that God's will has been spoken, and that God has shown himself in overwhelming fashion. And, and both ancient and modern Nebuchadnezzars learned the hard way that you can't fight God's will. You've just got to embrace and celebrate God's will. And let me just say to all my friends who are quick to say when Trump came into office that you've got to accept that God is sovereign when he was voted in. Now you need to accept that God is still sovereign even when he is being voted out because the Bible makes clear that God sets them up and it is God that moves them down according to his will and his purpose. Can the church say amen? But understand that this lesson doesn't just ring true for Nebuchadnezzar. It is something important for all of us to digest that nothing can outlive its season. You realize that there are certain flowers that can thrive in springtime, but they can't survive in the wintertime. And you realize that seasons are good because they keep everything in balance. If there were no fall, then the harvest could not be nurtured. If there were no winter, it could not kill the locusts and bugs that threaten the harvest. Without spring rain, then the seed could not be germinated and fully developed. And so in each season, there is something good that is produced. And in each season, there is something bad that is pulled away. But understand that no matter how good the season, no season is permanent. Do I have a witness today? In other words, I need you to know that in some seasons you are being planted, in other seasons you're being nurtured, in other seasons God is removing some things from your life. And if you were to see your character or your life as a harvest, then you would get to a place where you thank God that seasons change. And see, the reason I want some of our young people and young adults to get this is I need you to get that because seasons change, I need you to recognize that certain friendships are seasonal. In other words, we, we tend to feel a certain way when the folk we were friends with in high school are not friends with us in college. We, we don't know how to take it when those that we were close with in college are not down with us while we're adults. We, we don't know what to do when those who are next to us when we didn't have nothing don't know us now that we actually got something. And sometimes we can't point to where it went bad. There was no major falling out. We don't really know why we're not friends anymore. And the fact is that sometimes 
sometimes the season has just shifted and they are no longer ready or available for this season. Do I have a witness that folk that were good for you in high school might not be good for you in college? There were some folk that were assets in college that might be a liability now that you're an adult. There were some folk that were good for you while you were single, but they might be a detriment now that you're married. And sometimes God has to send a winter to remove certain friends so that your harvest is not threatened. Do I have a witness in this place? In fact, I need y'all to understand this, that some of the folk that you date, God just put them in your life for a season. I need you to know that just because they are there presently, it doesn't mean they're supposed to be there permanently. Do you realize that sometimes God puts certain people in your life just to teach you where not to settle? Do, do you realize that there were certain folk that God put in your life? Because the truth is that some of us wouldn't even be able to recognize a healthy relationship if we had not spent six months in a toxic relationship. There are some that couldn't appreciate a godly person until we spent four months with somebody that don't never pray or know the Lord. Do you realize that God is so good that he prepared you for Mr. Right by sending Mr. Wrong? that God used Miss Wrong to prepare you for Mrs. Right. In other words, you couldn't see Boaz if you hadn't spent time with Bobo. You would have went past Esther if you hadn't been with Sister Erratic. And God is so good that he prepares you for what he has for you by showing you what is not for you. Are y'all hearing me today? In fact, I need somebody to recognize that certain jobs are just for a season. Certain jobs were designed to push you back to trade school, back to college, or back to get your master's degree. In fact, there are some folk that when you worked for them, that was the illuminating thing that let you know you were designed to work for yourself. In fact, it was working for other people that pushed you into entrepreneurship. Am I preaching to anybody today? In fact, I need you to know that sometimes it is going to a job that you hate, that gives you the fuel to realize that God has plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. It isn't going to an obsolete job that you realize that your gifts will make room for you. And sometimes it is the wrong job that is the spring rain that pushes you into the harvest. And that's why I want to say to somebody, it don't know, make no sense for you to spend a whole lot of time and needless lamentation over the mistakes and missteps in your life. In other words, learn from your mistakes. But do you realize that God even had purpose in your mistakes? Let me, let me say it again. God had purpose in your mistakes. I believe in Romans 28 that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. In other words, there are certain life situations that you don't need to try to throw away. You just need to recycle. Oh, it's, it's about to get good here. Uh, you know that about 30 years ago, what we would do is we would just throw everything away. But, but now we handle waste a little bit differently. We don't put everything in the trash. We put some stuff in the recycle bin because once they take that bottle or that can in the recycle bin. They're going to go through and sort it. Then they're going to clean it. Then they're going to repurpose it so that it can be used for something greater next time. And what I'm saying is don't try to forget or throw away all your life experience. You just need to let God sort it. 
let God cleanse it, then God will repurpose it so that something greater comes from it. Thank God that he is a God that recycles the situations and the circumstances of our lives. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? So the word says here in, in, in verse number 21, the Bible says that God changes that God changes the times and the seasons. Now again, what Daniel is doing is he is pointing to the sovereignty of God and declaring that God controls when the seasons start and God controls when the seasons end. And if you're glad that God controls timing and seasons, let me hear you say amen. Now let me just say for those of you at home, that was a little bit of a trick statement. Now, now, I need you to understand that even though that's good news, it doesn't always feel good. Because in the same way, a, a, a good season can't be extended. In the same way, a bad season can't be shortened. In, in the same way, I can't extend the season that I like. In the same way, I can't hurry up the season that I despise. See, see, remember, this is important for Daniel and the Hebrew people. Why? Because when you read Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 11 and 12, God made it very clear that because of Israel's sin, that the Babylonian exile was going to be for 70 years, that Jerusalem would be in desolation, not a day shorter than the 70 years. In other words, he is letting them know that some of y'all are going to leave Babylon as youth. You're going to grow old and you're going to leave Jerusalem as youth. You're going to grow old in Babylon and you're going to be old by the time you get back. He's saying some of y'all are going to have kids in Babylon and Babylon is going to be all they know and they're not going to want to come back. And he says some of y'all are going to be old when you leave Babylon and y'all going to be there so long that you're not going to ever make it back. And the crazy thing is that even though Daniel and the three Hebrew men show faithfulness and courage and bring a knowledge of God to Babylon, God does not shorten the length of their time. Their faithfulness does not overthrow the previous decision. The reason that God doesn't alter the 70 years is because God has made some calculations that anything less of than 70 years is going to cause them to go back into moral and national apostasy. In other words, I need you to know that the length of certain seasons has been measured by God. In other words, God is saying this is how long it's going to take to sanctify them. Seventy years is how long it's going to take to rebuild them. This is how long it's going to take to redeem them. This is how long it's going to take to break the bow of the oppressors that govern them. And if I cut it short, they'll wind up back where I'm trying to bring them out of. Oh, I wish somebody heard me today. And see, I need to understand that just like a good parent, your punishment of bad children is not random. It is measured. It is calculated. It is made, measured out to make sure that it is enough of a deterrent to keep them from going back into the same behavior. I can say it, you know, pretty honestly that in my house, we have sliding scales uh, uh, of discipline uh, based upon each child. We don't discipline each one the same way. And, and there's some of the uh, 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 disciplines that may be from the loss of privileges or an early bedtime and some are a little more intense. Do I have a witness in this room? 
And, and it's funny because there are some folk that mock and say time out don't work on our kids. But, but my youngest son, he hates time out. I mean, because he likes to move around. So having to be still is, it, it is torture and toil to him. Now, I need you to understand that the amount of time I choose for time out, it is not random. It is based upon what's going to be a deterrent. So if I make it too short, he's going to go right back into the bad thing. If I let him in and let him come out 30 seconds later, he's going to go right back into the same cycle. So I have to predetermine a time and not adjust the time until that behavior is going to be amended. Does that make sense to somebody today? And watch this, because Daniel and his friends know and they accept that the time is fixed, it helps them know how to pray. Instead of praying, Lord, will you shorten the season? They understand that the wise thing to do is say, Lord, would you give me strength for the season? And see, the reason that some of us feel like God is not answering our prayer is we've only prayed one prayer, and that is for God to adjust the length of the season. But the problem is when God says, no, this is how long it's going to take, we feel like God didn't answer the prayer. And the problem is we'll only accept one answer instead of saying, Lord, if you don't shorten the season, then give me the strength to endure the season. And the reason that God sometimes will not adjust the length of the season is that God who measures the character, God who weighs the reins of the heart, he realizes that this season hadn't killed what it's supposed to kill. It hadn't developed what it's supposed to develop. It hasn't matured what it's supposed to mature. It hasn't germinated what needs to be germinated. And somebody, instead of saying, Lord, shorten the season, you need to be saying, Lord, give me the strength for the season. And the reason this is epic for somebody to consider, because one of the things I learned as I study the scripture is that God never negotiates the time of a season with mankind. What are you talking about, Pastor? You remember in the book of Genesis, God told Abraham way before Joseph that your descendants are going to be in Egypt for 400 years. And it is not until year 400 that Moses shows up with a staff saying, let my people go. God said to the uh, uh, Israelites that you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years and 69 years. Nobody has been delivered. It is not until the time is complete. You realize that Israel wanted the Messiah to come way before he did. But the Bible says it is in the fullness of time that Jesus showed up. And as bad as I I want Jesus to show up in my season. The Bible says no man knoweth the day or the hour. I'm tired of racism, tired of coronavirus, tired of all this foolishness. I want God to shorten the season. But if he doesn't come right away, I got to say, Lord, give me strength for the season that I'm in. Are y'all hearing me, saints? And see, the reason this is important is because somebody is in a season of chastening and it may not be abbreviated and you need to say, Lord, just give me the strength to endure this season of chastening. There is somebody that's in a season of waiting and it may not be abbreviated and you need to say, Lord, give me the patience to wait on you 
there is somebody in a season of loss or grief and it cannot be accelerated and you need to pray Lord give me the strength to work through this season of grief there is somebody in a season of persecution and it may or may not be hurried but if it's not hurried then you need to pray Lord give me the strength for the journey and let me say to somebody that you may not know what season you're in go ahead and feel free to let your request be made known unto God ain't nothing wrong with saying Lord let the season change but you need to add an addendum to the prayer that says Lord if it don't change and Lord if it don't get better and Lord if it don't get healed and Lord if it don't go away then I just need you to give me a sufficient grace to be able to stand up under the weight of the trial so that if it don't change do a change in me so I can withstand the weight of the season. Are y'all hearing me, saints? Listen, let me say it this way. I remember um, growing up, you know, I was, uh, I think I'm maybe eighth or ninth grade. I had just made my little, little high school basketball team. And so we would get out of school around 2.30 and practice would be over around 4 o'clock. But my parents didn't get off work till almost 5. And so I was used to like just getting on the bus uh, to go home or, or somebody would pick me up. So, but when we didn't leave until about 4, I ain't have no way to get home. And so I remember my dad saying, well, well, son, the school is only like three miles from the house. You can just walk home from school. And I remember looking at him like crazy like what do you mean walk home I you know I can I can just wait for y'all to get off work and come and pick me up and, and he said no son just like us we would walk home from school after practice and I'm still looking like man what, what you mean walk all the way from Godby all the way down to Mission Road I'm like Lord I don't know what you're talking about and he said son you're gonna walk home from school and I said well maybe I'll just wait till y'all get off from work and he had to help me understand that that was not a recommendation this is not a suggestion. He's saying you're going to walk home from school and, and so say I'm a little bit slow to get this thing. And so what dad does is, is, is he takes my backpack and he puts a bottle of juice in the backpack, puts a honey bun in the backpack and says you just gonna walk home from school. Now it's crazy. I thought he was trying to be funny. When he put the juice and the honey bun in the backpack, I had a bad attitude because he put the juice and the honey bun in the backpack. But when I was walking home from school, after about a mile and a half, I got a little thirsty, and after about two miles, I got a little hungry, and guess what? The juice was already there, and the, and the honey bun was already there, and, and even though he didn't change the length of the journey, he gave me something to give me strength for the journey, and how many of us can just thank God that even if he doesn't change the length of the journey, he promised to give you strength for the journey you got to take. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? Now, 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 real quick, let, let me pause and say this to somebody. Because see, there's somebody at home, and you're listening to this message with a certain amount of jadedness because what I'm saying does not align itself with your experience. Because in your mind, you're saying, no, pastor, I have inherited some circumstances. I've inherited some hells that have been touching my life from the time I was a child to an adult. In other words, in your experience, seasons don't never change because you've been dealing with some things from the very beginning or the onset of your life that never, ever seemed to improve. And, and let me just kind of pause and say this. This may not solve the issue a little uh, completely, but I'm praying that it gives some insight because, see, there are certain things that only God can change, but there are other things that only choice can change. 
And what I mean when I say this is that there are some of us that are in a bad season, but there are others that are in a bad cycle. Oh, oh, oh let, me, let, let me say it again. That there are some of us that are in a bad season, but there are others that are in a bad cycle. You, you see, seasons have a start time and an end time, but, but cycles just simply repeat one another. You realize that a season is designed to create purpose, but cycles just create a negative result. You see, a, a season produces growth, but a cycle keeps you exactly where you are. And the thing somebody's got to get is that seasons are ended by God, but cycles don't change until you make a different choice. And see, the reason that is important is because some of us are in a bad relationship season. But see, there are some of us that have lived in bad relationship cycles. See, see, I need you to understand that the person in the bad season just don't have no good options based on where they live or, or where they go to church. But at some point, that season may change. But you realize that even if you're in a bad relationship cycle, that ain't going to never change until you make a different choice. Because if you're in a bad relationship cycle, even if God gave you a great person because of your thinking and your choices, you will eventually begin to sabotage it until you begin to make some different choices you're not in a relationship season you're in a bad relationship cycle come on and say amen can I just say it this way there are some of us that are in a season of sickness but then there are some of us that are in a cycle of sickness because the truth is that there are some of us that if God healed you of every malady in your body in nine years, you would be right back where you are because of the choices that are being made. Do you realize, do I have any witnesses that some of us around the holidays get in, in, in a, a weight gain season, but, but there are some of us that are in a weight gain cycle where, where it repeats itself. And understand that God can change the season, but it's not till you make a choice that you can change the cycle. Am I preaching to anybody out there today? See, there are some of us that are in a season of financial lack. But then there are some of us that are in cycles of financial lack. I need somebody to understand that poverty is not an income status. Poverty is a mentality. Because there are some of us that if you gave us $10 million tax-free in a year, we'd be right back in the project because it is about the cycles that we inherit because of the choices that we make every day. I need you to know that financially you hadn't been in a bad season. You keep getting nowhere because financially you're making choices that keep you in a negative cycle. There are some that are in a season of loss, but understand, young person that when you get in the gangs and you try to live that thug life, you covet a cycle of loss. You covet a cycle of death where it becomes a part of your norm because of your repeated choices. And see, the thing I just want to say real quick, this doesn't solve it all, but some of us inherit cycles. Some of us adopt cycles. But at the end of the day, the cycle won't be broken as long as you're pointing at your circumstances. 
It won't change as long as you're saying, if I had been born here, as long as if I had been born there, if those folk were my parents, and if I had grown up in that type of neighborhood, understand that the season can be an influencer, but it is not a determinant. See, I need you to understand that as long as you're saying, if I had this or if I had that, you're going to stay in the cycle until you say, until I do this and until I do that. That's when the cycle is going to break because God can change the season without your cooperation. But he can't change the cycle until he has your submission. Are you hearing the word of God today? And so the word says here in Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 21, the Bible says, and he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Watch this. The word says he gives wisdom to the wise. Watch this. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Last thing this word teaches us today is that God is not wasteful with his resources. No, so as I'm looking at this, see, I'm like, this don't sound right. Daniel says, okay, God gives wisdom to the wise. And he gives knowledge to those who already have understanding. Now, to me, that seems like somewhat of a, of a gluttonous kind of a habit for, for God to develop. Why would you give wisdom to those that already got it? Why would you give knowledge to those who already have understanding? It seems like this would read, he gives wisdom to the simple. Or that he would give knowledge to those who are devoid of understanding. But understand that when Daniel says this, it is an open rebuke to the king and the wise men. And it gives us some insight into who gets what and why. See, the truth that emerges is that God disperses wisdom and knowledge with discretion. He discriminates about whom he gives certain resources to. You realize that God doesn't just go walking around passing out wisdom all willy-nilly. It's too valuable. Proverbs says that riches, uh, wisdom is more precious than rubies. So he can't just go disperse it to those that don't appreciate it. He's got to ration it out as he wills. So he reveals that wisdom is given to those who are wise and he gives knowledge to those who know what to do with it so that the gifts that God gives are based upon our ability to rightly use them in other words, I need you to get, he's saying that God could not have given the dream or the interpretation to the astrologers, nor even to the king. He can't get, he had to snatch the dream from the king. He had to hide it from the astrologers. Why? Because they would take wisdom and ignore it. They would take knowledge and misapply it. They would take knowledge and treat it for granted. God said he had to snatch it from the king had to hide it from the wise men. He had to funnel the truth through us because if he had not sent it through us, they wouldn't even legitimately consider what's being said. And we see that this is authenticated by what happens in chapter 3. That when God gives them the wisdom, he agrees with it at first. But then he takes the statue made of different metals, makes it of gold from head to toe. And what he literally does is he turns the wisdom of God into the foolishness of men. And it shows that if you don't know how to handle wisdom, wisdom becomes futile in your hands 
if you don't know what to do with it. And it gives insight to who gets what and why. Because some of us are like Nebuchadnezzar in that even if God gave you certain things, you wouldn't know what to do with it. Oh, it's going to get a little quiet in here. Do you realize that information in the wrong hands becomes a weapon? That wisdom in the wrong hands becomes a con. Do you realize that everybody can't be trusted with power? That everybody can't handle authority? Everybody can't be trusted with money. And very few people can be trusted with fame or recognition. And it is because God does not disperse things without discretion. And so I'm looking at this thing saying, I'm wondering, like, why is it? Because I've always wondered, why do people with more that have always tend to get more? Why do people that have wisdom always get more wisdom? Why do those that get good grades get better grades? Why do those that have understanding continue to get understanding? Why do those that have already had a big idea continue to get big ideas? Why do those that have innovation continue to get more innovation? And one of the things I'm learning about getting more is that receiving more is not based on my desire. It is based upon my character readiness. See, the reason certain folk get more is their character qualifies them. In other words, there are certain folk that can't appreciate certain things. So let me show it to you in the Word of God. Let's, let's go a few places. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 16. Proverbs chapter 17 and, and verse number 16. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 16. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Proverbs 17 and verse 16. The Bible says, why is there in the hand of a fool a purchase price for wisdom since he has no heart for it? I don't know if y'all caught that. In other words, he's saying, man, I, I don't really want this wisdom in my hand. It's too expensive. It costs too much. In other words, there are certain people that can't rightly assess the wisdom that God gives. Let's go over here to Proverbs 17 and verse 24. Proverbs 17 and verse 24. The Bible says, wisdom in the sight of him who has a uh, uh, wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth in other words if I have wisdom uh, our wisdom seems close but if I'm a fool wisdom seems like it's too far away it seems unattainable Proverbs 23 and verse number 9 Proverbs 23 and verse 9 the Bible says do not speak in the hearing of a fool for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Do you realize what, what God is saying through Solomon? That there is wisdom. He literally said wisdom cries out in the streets. But it can't go to everybody. Because there are certain folk that even when you try to give them understanding, they don't know what to do with it. Go with me if you don't mind. There, there's one other qualification I want you to see. Matthew 25, verses 21 through 29, the parable of the talents. Matthew 25. And verse number 21, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21. When y'all get there, let me hear you say amen. Matthew 25 and verse 21. So the Bible says, his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over what? Few things. I will make you ruler over what? Anything, many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also said to him who received two talents. He came and said, Lord, you've delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over anything, many things. Enter into the joy of my Lord. Watch this, saints. And then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. 
reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I wouldn't hear your talent in the ground. Look, there is what is yours. But the Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. You know I gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him. Did y'all see this? He's going to take the one that he has and he's going to give it to the person that already has more. Are y'all catching this, saints? In other words, it's showing that you got to have a certain type of character to qualify for receiving more. And this is what I need us to understand is that doers will always be trusted with more than talkers and dreamers. Do you realize, saints, that even the little you've been given, that little is a test. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. You realize that that little that God gave you was a test. And see, the problem is that some of us, like the man with one talent, because we are mad that we did not get more, what we're going to do is preserve and protect and hoard what we have instead of putting it into the use so that it can grow and multiply. And these, some of us get mad that we were not given more. But when you read the beginning of the parable, the Bible says that the master divided the talents based upon their ability to be able to handle it. In other words, there was a reason he only got one talent. The reason he only got one was because the master knew he couldn't trust him to do something if he had gotten more. And the fact that he went and hid the one down in the ground was an authentication of the master's good judgment and only giving him one in the first place. His behavior validated the decision that the master made. He says, if you can't do nothing with what you got, then I can't trust you with more. And the Bible principle is that when you're a good steward over little, then God can make you steward over much. And I need somebody to understand that the little that you have been entrusted with, it is a divine test. And if you spend your whole life lamenting your little and complaining about your little and coveting somebody's much, you will never be able to transition from little to much because you won't do nothing with what you have. And see, there are some of us that look with jealous eye on the successes of other people. Because you think to yourself all the time, I could have done that. And I could have done this. Or you think to yourself, I thought of that first. I had that idea a long time ago. And how many of God's children have been giving life-changing, ministry-changing, community-changing. Some of us have been given million, billion-dollar ideas that we have let die on the inside of us. And we're mad that God keeps giving them more ideas and more dreams and more innovation. It is not because he loves them more, but it is simply because he's going to give his gifts to somebody that's going to do something with it. He can't keep letting visions and dreams. Oh, Lord. He can't keep letting stuff die on the inside of you. Because there are things that will impact the world for his glory that 
that he can't trust with those that are just going to dream on it and talk about it and write it in notebooks and name it and claim it. And I just need to know, do I have some that receive visions and dreams and you have made it up in your mind to say, I'm going to do more than talk and dream out loud and say what I'm going to do and declare and decree, but I'm going to put some work behind my faith. I'm going to roll up my sleeves pour some sweat equity in the vision and if I do that God will kiss it he'll spread it like the leaves of autumn it is when I put my dreams into action that we see God do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think are y'all hearing the word today saints he's got to give his resources to those who know what to do with it are y'all hearing me the saints so, I mean, it's tough because, man, if you're acting crazy with the wisdom he's given you, why can't he give you even more? Let, let me say this because, see, there, there's this principle when you're faithful with the little. He can trust you with more. We got some that, that you, you, can't be, you, you can't be bothered to sing on a Wednesday night when it's only 150 of us, but, but you only want to show up when it's Sabbath morning, when, when the church is full. No, if you can't be faithful in this setting, then God can't trust you in that setting. There are some of us that if you can't be faithful steward over the money you got, if you can't be faithful over 40000 a year, you won't be faithful over 400000 a year. Listen, if you can't be humble with the recognition that you get, you know you can't be humble if God gives you more recognition. Young person, if you're wasting the scholarship money you got playing Fortnite, why are you asking God to give you more scholarship money? If you can't manage your small house well, you can't keep that clean. What you gonna do with 5,000 more square feet? Come on and tell the truth in here. And see, it's not a matter, huh? It's not a matter of what you deserve. It's what does your character qualify you for. And see, I need you to understand, even to a certain extent, this transcends spirituality. Because remember, Jesus says, man, the sons of this world are wiser than the, than the children of God. Because listen, I need you to understand that an unspiritual doer might be trusted more than a spiritual dreamer who ain't going to put their hands on nothing and actually get it done. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, I need you to understand that God is looking for people that, that learn how to say, whatever my hands find to do, I'm going to do it with all my might as unto God and not unto me. Am I preaching to anybody out here today? It's crazy. I remember this summer, you know, back early in the summer, they, they were showing the, the, the Last Dance documentary. Uh, Y'all talked about it in Sabbath school, the documentary on Michael Jordan. And one of the greatest characteristics uh, that they said about Jordan is that, that Jordan never changed his performance based on the size of the audience. In other words, he played the same on, on a February night in Milwaukee as he did in the NBA Finals when all the lights was on. In other words, the size of the venue didn't dictate the quality of his effort. And God is needing some believers that are saying the size of the venue is not going to dictate the quality of my effort. In other words, I want to be one of those preachers that's going to preach the same, whether I'm preaching to 12 people or whether I'm preaching to 12,000. I'm going to preach the same with seven people in this room as if everybody was here and every seat was full. I'm going to preach the same whether it's virtual or in person, whether the audience is white, whether it's black, whether it's big or whether it's small. I want to give God my best. I want to preach it every time like I know somebody's hearing the gospel for the first time and the last time the size of the venue 
doesn't change the quality you give to the assignment. And there is somebody, as I'm getting ready to close, that God wants you to know that he has plans to prosper you, plans to, uh, uh, to not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. He needs somebody to understand that he wants you to know that your gifts will make room for you, that you will not serve before obscure men like Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. You'll serve before kings. But God is saying very clearly, he gives wisdom, to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding in other words he's saying I can't just give this to everybody I gotta give it to somebody that either knows what to do with it or somebody who is willing to do something with what they've been entrusted with and I'm saying to somebody today that's sitting at home I, I need you to understand why seasons change See, the reason seasons change, and it's tough, because there are sometimes in certain tough seasons, there are certain things that God is trying to remove. There are certain things that God is trying to mature. There are certain things that God is trying to germinate. And guess what? God can't shorten that season until his work has been completed in that season of your life. I need you to know that the season is not punishment. It, it is preservation. It, it, it is not, it is not a, 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 a harsh discipline. It is for your development. And instead of saying, Lord, change the season. Lord, give me strength for the season. There's somebody that needs to kind of maybe make the distinction. Say, Lord, am I in a bad season? Or maybe you need to recognize you're in a bad cycle. Because there are some circumstances that God can move. But your circumstances will repeat if you never make a different choice. Seasons are moved by God. Cycles are broken when you make a choice and you submit to him. And there's just somebody, I just want to talk to that person, man, that God has got something welling in the inside of you. It is something that keeps you up at night. It's something that torments you. It is something that angers you when you ever, whenever you see other folk that are doing what you said you were going to do it, who put into practice the thing that you've been dreaming about. And God is saying, listen, man, at, at, a, at a point in time, if you keep letting my visions, my dreams die inside of you, I get to give it to somebody that's going to act in faith, that's going to trust me, that's not just going to be a hearer of the word, that's not just going to be a sayer of the word, but somebody that's going to be a doer of my word and my will. And so there's somebody today that needs to make it up in their mind to say, I need to get to a place where I'm in a, I'm in a committed relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you realize that, that the issue... And the reason you're not experiencing what I'm talking about is because you've never really had fully submission. And you hear words like submission and, and submit. Let me just, it's just a church word that means you're voluntarily placing yourself under his care and under his authority. And what you've done is you get put in segments of your life under authority and sections under authority. But you've never put your whole self on the altar. You've never put your whole life under his care and under his authority. You've never just said, thrown up both hands and say, Lord, I surrender. You've never just thrown up both hands and say, Lord, I'm yours. You've just never thrown up both hands and, and, and not just physical hands, but the posture, a posture of soul that says, okay, I'm not my own. My life is not my own. To you, I belong. I'm available to you, Lord. And maybe this is that day. Maybe you're here in Huntsville 
and you need to be in one of the next baptisms of this church. You need to join the church through baptism or, or rededication or profession of faith. That's your desire today. Would you email us at prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Or if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, there is a, a link coming up in the comments called Typeform. Click on it. And right there, you can make a decision to be baptized. We're going to be having the baptism in the next coming weeks. You want to you wanna have your mind made up to be in one of the next baptisms here at First Church. Or maybe you, you need to come back to church. You need to get rededicated, recommitted. Maybe you've just been floating from church to church and broadcast to broadcast. You need to say by the new year, I need to settle somewhere where I can be involved and get because I believe God wants to give me the Holy Spirit but I, I ain't doing nothing with the measure of spirit I've been given so you're saying email us pray at firstsdachurch.com or maybe you're, you're in the links on Facebook or, or YouTube or maybe you're in another city, state or country uh, we've facilitated this for a number of people maybe you need to get into a great Bible believing Adventist church in your city where you live email us just the same and we'll get you connected with the pastor a Bible instructor and somebody that can help facilitate that journey with Jesus Christ now I want to just pray a brief prayer for anybody that you're saying Lord I don't want to let the dream I don't want to let the vision die inside I want to be a person you can trust with wisdom I want to be a person you can trust with understanding I want to be a person you can trust with discernment and knowledge I I don't want to just know what to do, but I'm, being, I'm going to be willing to do something with it. And so right now in your home, you're standing to your feet. You and your, your, your spouse, you and your kids, y'all are gathered together. And you're praying this prayer of submission where you're saying, Lord, I'm, I'm putting myself voluntarily under your care and under your authority. I'm willing to go where you go. Say go and do what you say do. Father in heaven, Lord, for anything good that results from this sermon, all glory belongs to you. And for any mistakes, missteps, misspoken words... Lord, only the mistake should be applied to, my, to me. And so, Lord, my prayer today, Lord, is that as we see things happening in the world, as we see the metals changing, help us, Lord, not to focus on the metals, but, Lord, help us to focus on that rock cut out of the mountain without hands that shall put an end to all earthly kingdoms and kings and we look forward to the day when you shall establish your kingdom which shall never ever end. Help us, Lord, to be faithful until that day. And Lord, we want that season to come quickly. But Lord, until that season comes, would you give us strength to abide, strength to endure, patience to wait upon you. Father, I ask in a very special way, Lord, that for that person that is not just in a season, they're in a cycle. Help them to make a different choice. Help them to, to purpose in their hearts. Help them to say, not circumstance, not situation, but to say, it's me, it's me, it's me. It's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. But I want to pray for that person that, that was like Nebuchadnezzar. You gave them the dream, but you had to snatch it from, from them because you can trust them to do the right thing with it. You've given us dreams for our kids, for our work, for ministry, for this church. You've given us some things that we've treated with, with indifference. We've, we've abused it. We've used it for self-interest. We've used your wisdom as a con. We've used information like a weapon. And we, we repent, Lord, that we have mishandled the oracles of God and the things and resources you've made available to us. But Lord, we just ask that if you give us another chance, 
You give us another opportunity. You open up the door one more time. We're going to make the decision to walk through with boldness and have our feet planted firmly on your word, your way, and your direction. So, Lord, for the head of the household, for that sister, that brother, that young person, that teenager, that young adult, Lord, would you speak? Would you speak? Would you speak in unmistakable terms, giving clarity, understanding, and discernment that changes our lives henceforth and forevermore? So, Lord, would you bless us? Keep us. We submit. We yield. We throw up both hands and say, Lord, we are yours. Would you bless and keep us as only you can? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you all so much for letting us bring the gospel to your home. Come on back next week. Invite a family member, co-worker, friend as we look to God's word again together next week. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsvachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.